Good morning. Okay, we have a couple of pictures. Sam, will you uh, throw that first picture up on the screen for me? I think you just do one click. And we're going to see if... Tell me what you see. This was an easy one. Okay. Uh, I think the, the correct term is anamorphic. Basically, there's an image hidden within an image. I wanted to show this one first because this is easy. Most of y'all see it. In fact, it's so easy to see the face, it's almost hard to see the rest of the picture. But there's some sheep down here. This is supposed to be what appears to be a shepherd who's sitting down. And there's some houses. But none of you see that, do you? It's hard to see. You see the nose, the eyes, uh, the big mustache, and the mouth. And so there we have the man's face right there. Okay, uh, let's go to this next picture. What do you see? Mountains, the lake. Oh, Sam called it. Sam said she sees two people praying. Do you see two people praying? Are you ready for the hint? Because once I show it, you can't go back. Once, once you see it, you will never be able to unsee this. Every time that you look at this picture, you go, oh, I see it. Here is the woman's face. Okay. There's her lips, there's her nose, there's her eyes, there's her hands right there. And here's the the little girl's or little boy's face right there. Here's his praying hands, his hands and his arms. They're both, if I flipped it, this would be the bottom of the picture, this would be the top. Does everyone see the lady and the child? It's pretty obvious now. A few minutes ago, everybody was saying, I see a lake and I see a reflection, I see some hills. Okay, this one is a more popular one, but this next one is my favorite because you really have to look, and it's another one. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. How about this one? What do you see? Some people already see it. I had to stare at this one for quite a long time. Okay, what is, the, the trick is it's, there's people right here. I bet you didn't see that, did you? Okay, maybe that wasn't what I was trying to show you. Does anybody see the baby? Okay, now you can see the baby. Is there anybody, let's be completely honest, we're in a church building, does anybody not see the baby? Okay, we have some people who don't see the baby. That's okay. The baby is a lot bigger than the people. Here are the baby's eyes. There's the nose and the mouth. Here's the arms of the baby, the little belly, and there's the legs going up. It's a little baby in the fetal position. Little unborn baby is what it looks like. Does everybody see that now? Pretty fantastic, isn't it? Because now that you see that, for those of you who see it now, the legs and the belly and the whole body, it's hard to unsee. But I had to stare at this picture for a long time and say, what in the world is going on in this picture I can't really figure out what's going on. And once you see it, you just, you can't unsee it. That, uh, the artist did a phenomenal job of hiding that image inside that picture. Okay, uh, you can uh, take that off the screen or you're going to be staring at the baby the whole time and don't want to do that. Last week we had WWG, uh, in fact I wanted to call it Sunday Morning Smackdown. It was wrestling with God. Well, We got a little bit of that last week, and I want to continue on with that theme. If last week was wrestling with God, then this is actually round two. 
And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the fact that God is present even when we don't see Him. Okay, so by my estimations, since all of you are reading through the Bible in one year, and that is wonderful, I appreciate your willingness to do that. Uh, Each one of you are probably on different schedules as to how you're choosing to read the Bible in the year, although I know all of you have committed to it and you're sticking with it. For one, we hadn't got to Leviticus yet, so it's still pretty easy. Uh, By my estimations, if you're doing uh, the the chapters, uh, just going from chapter to chapter, you're probably about Exodus chapter 20. Uh, which Exodus chapter 20 is an interesting chapter. It's where we read about the Ten Commandments. But let's back up just a few more chapters and remind ourselves what has taken place. Uh, Moses was born. He was a basket case. I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, He was born. He was sent down the river. He was picked up. He was uh, raised in the palace. Uh, uh, one day, as, as he was uh, older, uh, he sees uh, uh, a Hebrew slave uh, who's being mistreated, and ultimately he kills an Egyptian. He flees, he runs, he spends his first stint in the desert for 40 years uh, before he's called by God through a, mo- a burning bush back to Egypt where God says, you're going to go and tell them to let my people go. And then what we have is what appears to be Ten very different, random, really weird um, plagues that God brought upon the Egyptian people. There's no randomness to this. If you go back and you look at the plagues and you take a look uh, and study uh, the Egyptian uh, Egyptians and their gods, they had gods of so many different things. They had gods of, guess what, water. Did you know they had the god of water? And so God started off with this, you have a God of water, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to turn your water to blood. And, he, and they had the God of the day, and he says, oh, you have a God of the day, watch, I'm going to turn everything dark. And you have a God of the livestock, watch when I take care uh, of, of the, the livestock. Oh, you have a God of weather, how about I bring hail? You have, you have God of small creatures, uh, Watch what happens when the frogs come and the flies come and the gnats come and the grasshoppers come. And so God is displaying himself in a very real, a very blatant way. All throughout Exodus, we see this over and over again. God actually says, I am in Exodus. When Moses says, I'm supposed to go to Pharaoh... Who do I say who sent me? And God says, you tell them, I am sent me. Jehovah is the one. I am. I am here. I am present. I am everywhere. You think you have gods? Wait till I show you who I am. God was blatant throughout Exodus. And not only while they were in Egypt, but after they had left Egypt, they go out there in the desert. They find themselves literally between a rock and a hard place. You go and look geographically where these estimated two million Israelites were. There was a long pass right here of of rocks or or, uh, a set of uh, mountains here. There was another set of mountains over here. It was literally a funnel that led them to 
uh, the heading of the Red Sea. And right behind them coming up were the Egyptians. And they cry out in Exodus chapter 13 and 14, Why did you bring us out here to die? Was there not enough place for us to be buried in Egypt? And this is where we have this most beautiful passage in Exodus chapter 14. 13, Moses says, Don't forget the Lord is fighting for you. You just need to stand still. And God is saying, I am right here. And he shows it to them because he parts the sea. And they cross over the sea. He says, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Because after they crossed over on dry ground, the Egyptians in hot pursuit, they get in the middle. God causes them to have flat tires that break down their chariots. The wheels fell off. They're stuck in the middle. And God closes in the Red Sea. And there's this great celebration. And Miriam in chapter 15 has this beautiful song. Uh, And then God again reveals himself in chapter 16 where he says, Okay, you guys are hungry because they're complaining already. Miriam gets through singing the song. She clears her throat. And they say, This is terrible. We're going to die. I'm like, Did you just miss what happened? And God was right there. And God provided for them with manna and quail. And then in the next chapter we have again in 17, 16 and on into 17, we have that God allows uh, uh, water to come from that rock. And God says, I am with you. In fact, little trivia question here, how did the Egyptians know where they were going? I'm sorry, the Israelites know where they were going when they were in the desert. Somebody help me out here. They had a pillar. That is exactly right. Isn't that wonderful? And God was right there. It was so easy. Where's God? Look, He's in the pillar of the cloud. Right there. It gets dark. You can't see the cloud anymore. Where's God? Well, now the cloud has turned into a fire. God was evident from Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning God. All throughout, God makes appearances. He makes promises. He's faithful to His people. In Exodus, there's never a more real way in which we see God working. And we say, God is there. God parts the water. And so I... I apologize if you've heard this from me before, but this is something I really like to talk about. What happens when the water is not parting? Where is God when there is no pillar of a a cloud that looks like a pillar or one shaped like a pillar that's from fire? Where is God? There's a song, I'm I'm not going to sing to you for obvious reasons, but there's, there's a song that's on the radio uh, that I, I I listen to I listen to ninety point nine um, K Love quite often and this is a song that's on there a lot. <clears throat> uh, the name of the song is Chainbreaker. Raise your hand if you heard this song. Some of you have heard this song. Okay, <clears throat> I I listen to the song. Um, <clears throat> it starts off with this: If if you've been walking, uh, if you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. 
if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. If you've got pain, he's the pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. I, I, it's hard for me not to sing that song. It would be ugly, but I love that song. That God is a chain breaker, right? When you can't find your way, he's a way maker. When you've got pains, he's the pain taker. And this morning we're talking about if you've got pain, if you've got pain, and I don't have to ask you to raise your hands. If you've got pain, you have pain. I've been here about five years. You're like my family. I look around here. I see some people in here who just lost a loved one. And man, my heart breaks. To think about I have a friend sitting in here who he's going through a really tough time because he just lost somebody he's loved, he loved so much. If you've got pain, and we say, if you've got pain, God is the pain taker. And if you've got chains, he's the chain breaker. And this is Exodus all over again, but here's the problem. We're not in Exodus anymore, are we? And nobody sees the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire, do we? What happens when you've got pain and God doesn't take it? I want to be real and I want to talk to you about what happens when we have chains and they don't just fall off. And I love this song. And God does mighty things. But is God still there when mighty things don't happen? What if God is not breaking the chains in your life? What if the way doesn't seem so clear? What happens when we don't see God? If you look throughout the Bible, you're going to see many times in which God was very evident. And yet there's some other times where he seems to be nowhere. And one of my favorite examples of that, of course, is the book of Esther. Read through the book of Esther. Tell me where you find the name God in it. If you find it, let me know. I've read it through several times. I'm familiar with the story. And the name of God is nowhere found in the book of Esther. In fact, in some ways you can say, where is God? And there are some things going on in Esther that would make you believe that maybe, in fact, God isn't around because you can't see Him. And at one point, there's no chains being broken. At one point in the story, an edict has been sent out by the king that says on one specific day, you can go to all the Jews in your community and you can kill them and there will be no consequence for your murdering 
You can do what you want. This is what the government had said. It was passed. It couldn't be changed. What's Esther to do? Does she listen to her relative Mordecai? Haman seems to be roaming around trying to find people that he can execute and at the same time make himself out to be the hero. What happens when we don't see God? Well, the Bible shows one story. But let's talk about our society. What happens when our society doesn't see God anymore? What happens when they stop believing? How about this? How about they find themselves in the aisle of Walmart or Toys R Us and they are fighting for that toy that they have to have for their child? I mean, knock down, drag out. It doesn't matter who goes home with the toys because both of them are going in handcuffs. Not back to their house. Because they don't see God. They have to have that toy. (coughs) We talked about this last week. What happens when you don't see God? When God's not there, everything else has to get bigger to fill that void. And that means that my child has to be treated extra special. And my child will not be called out on strikes at the peewee baseball diamond. And if the ump makes a bad call, I'm going after that guy. It's in the news. Constantly. Of people fighting because a child lost the game. And I want to say didn't get the trophy, but we don't even do that anymore. They still get the trophy when they lose. Because God is not there and we can't see Him. When you don't have a God and the guy gets elected that you can't stand, your world falls apart. You see, my God is bigger than a president. It doesn't matter which president, male or female, Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter what country it is. But when there's no God, you end up showing up at the inauguration speech and wail out loud the whole time. Because you can't see God. And nothing good can happen when He's not around. And you don't believe Him anymore, and you don't believe in Him anymore. You fight for toys, fights break out at peewee brawls, There's wailing at inauguration. There's road rage everywhere because people have to get their way. They're unhappy and God is not there. They stand in the middle of highways and block the road. They riot when their team loses the Super Bowl. They riot when their team wins the Super Bowl. When God's not there. I've said this before, and I know it sounds somewhat controversial. If you don't 
actually hear me out. But I like to tell people that I serve and believe in a God of darkness. When the Bible says, well, we have, we have a God of light. Yes, but we have a God who goes into dark places. We have a God who is good. The, the congregation that I was at previous to, to moving here when I was in Texas, uh, they, they would love to stand up and say, God is good. And everybody would say, all the time. And all the time, God is good. But you want to know what? We have a God who is in the bad. I'm not saying he causes the bad. I'm not saying he is bad. But I believe we have a God who is in the bad. In the bad situations. In the brokenness. When the chains are wrapped around and when you can't find your way, we still have a God who is here. We see this in the book of Esther. And maybe I could just sum up this sermon by saying that we have a rough road ahead of us. And every bump is a reminder that we're going the right way. Because for many of you, there's the assumption, at least there has been for me, that once you encounter God, everything gets better and He fixes everything. But for Jacob last week, his encounter with God left him with a limp. I don't want to spend too much time talking uh, about this, but I do want to reference this. Uh, Two Wednesday nights ago, we had our prayer time together, and I wanted to talk about how God can be found in the good, uh, in the bad, even, uh, God can be found even in the bad, not only in the good. Uh, and, and what I've been studying on and what I'm going to be introducing in a few weeks are some of the, the festivals, the feast uh, that God ordained for his people in the Old Testament. But one of them that we're most familiar with is the Passover. It was a time when approximately one quarter of a million Jews would travel, not on highways or in vehicles. They would walk um, hundreds of miles sometime. Uh, Maybe they would bring their own animal or maybe when they got to Jerusalem they would purchase an animal which would be sacrificed for would be the feast of the Passover. And this is one of the uh, this is one of the Psalms of Ascent that they would have said both as they were making their way to Jerusalem and while they were at the Passover feast. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, you as servants. Praise the name of the Lord, let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over the nations, His glory above the heavens. Who is, who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust, uh, and the needy he lifts from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and with uh, the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. 
Psalm 113. What's interesting about this psalm is that this was a psalm that was not read. It was memorized. It was recited by the Jewish people for hundreds and hundreds of years. Long after it was written, after they were in exile, they were called to praise God. And here we have at the Passover, they were to remember how God delivered them from Egypt into the land that would be promised to them by God. And they were praising the Lord. And as they were saying these words, praise the Lord, that night, hundreds of thousands of Jews praising the Lord for being there, for rising, the, for lifting the child from the dust heap. Jesus lay face down in the garden, weeping, begging God to let the, pa- the cup pass from Him. In the middle of the praising God for the deliverance that He had done, God's very own Son at that moment was in the garden begging for God To choose a different way. If there's another way that this can happen. Let it be so. But not my will. But yours be done. Eternally. Ultimately. What took place that night. And on in the the following days. Is God broke some chains. But it didn't happen that night. In just a few minutes one of Jesus' companions would come up to him, kiss him on the cheek, betray him, and the beatings would begin. In the dark, in the hurt, God is there. I think this probably applies to many of you, but for one particular in person, it does. He's, he's going to be heading off and just what, a few hours, Brandon? Is that right? The, the 8th? At t- tomorrow, tomorrow morning at 8, you're going to be headed to Amarillo, is that right? Uh, for those of you who remember, uh, Brandon is uh, enlisted in the, the Air Force. Uh, he's going to be going to Amarillo tomorrow and off on to various places None of which he could tell us about and le- allow us to live, so we won't ask. And it's exciting, I'm sure, and I would think you're going to be very nervous and anxious. And Brandon, I would just love to tell you that God is going to clear a path and everything that you encounter over the next few weeks will be like running through a field of daisies. I can't promise that. And what I understand about the military, their job is to do the opposite. There will be running involved, but no daisies. Probably a large pack. It will probably be rainy and cold, and they're going to find a place that no matter where you run, it's going to be uphill. And I want you to know, Brandon, That God will be there even when it's tough. I want you to know that God is with you 
even through the difficult times. For my friends sitting at the back, Robert, I want you to know that God is there. And I wish I could take away the pain that you're feeling from losing your mother. And all I can say is, God is here. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to get better all of a sudden. But I just know that God is there as you grieve, as you head off to go to the Air Force, Brandon. God is there. As you go about your days, and, and some of you folks, are you're struggling with ailments, you're struggling with taking care of a spouse who's not doing well, you're taking care of parents, maybe you have a child that's sick. And I can't promise you that God's going to heal the child. But I can promise you that God is there. Keep looking. Sometimes he's hard to see, but he's still there. No matter where you are, where you're going. You win the lottery, you lose your job. God is there for us. That's the promise he has for us. And for a world that can't see him, let's be a people who continue to show him. And say it's not about the baseball game, it's not about the toy, it's not about the president. It's not about getting the parking spot at the front of the parking lot. We have a God, and He's good, and He's always there, even in the bad. May we praise God even in the dark times. He's here with us. He is for us. We need only to stand still. I'm going to ask if you join me as we stand and sing this song of invitation.